It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through right now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. It's Wednesday, which means, of course, armchair politics coming up in about an hour for two hours of commentary and analysis about local, state, and national headlines in politics and current events with our roundtable regulars. Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, and they'll be joined today, and it's always a treat to have political operative Bobby Clayton Walton join us for the roundtable known as Armchair Politics. That's coming up in about an hour. Hope you'll uh, stay tuned for that. But I also hope you enjoy this uh, this first hour of the show today. Going to be a little lighthearted as we talk to uh, some uh, a a veteran entertainer. Actually, he's uh, made a career out of uh, writing and producing some great television commercials uh, over the years. But he and a partner uh, have gotten together. Uh, Eric Cassim is the partner's name. Michael Smith will be joining me in uh, just about a minute or so to talk about a project they put together called the um, 100 of the Worst Ideas in History, Humanity's Thundering Brainstorms Turned Blundering Brain Farts. Um, 
very, very funny guy. I think he'll enjoy it. We're also going to, as we are all week, uh, have a little hat tip to Back to the Bricks. And they're doing their uh, rolling cruise tonight and tomorrow night. And so we'll have some uh, cartoons coming up at the uh, end of this hour. No, not animated funnies, but uh, songs about cars by local artists. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we continue today's uh, edition of the Tom Sumner Program with a conversation I've been really looking forward to. Um, a, uh, a new audio book is out uh, from the Entertainment Writing and uh, Production Skills of uh, Michael N. Smith and Eric Kasem. And it's called A Hundred of the Worst Ideas in History, Humanity's Thundering <laughs> Brainstorms Turned Blundering Brain Farts. <laughs> and, uh, it, and it has an Edsel on the, co- on the cover, as, as well as platform shoes and uh, lawn darts, I think. Anyway, joining me by phone is Mike Smith. Mike, welcome to the show. Uh, great to be here, Tom. Always a pleasure. Um, something tells me that, that the idea for this book started in a bar. You know what? Almost. <laughs> if you, if you want to consider my kitchen island, uh, a bar, which many people do when we have parties, uh, yes, it started there. And that's where I met, um, my co-author, Eric Hassan and, uh, the adult beverages were flowing, uh, shall we say. And, uh, not unlike uh, the character uh, Cliff Clavin on Cheers, if we all remember that show. Uh, <laughs> I was the know-it-all at the end of the bar, shall we say, island, kitchen island. And I said, you know, listen, I've got some, some crazy ideas in my head that, that I've collected over the years. So I started to tell the story of this and of that. And uh, then Eric, he, you know, he went through his personal Rolodex in his brain. And he, and he would follow up, and it got into one of these kind of one-upmanship one uh, kind of things. And the crowd kind of gathered around, and they're judging from the oohs and the ahs and the laughter. Uh, by the time it was over, I turned to Eric and said, hey, either we've got a college-level drinking game here or the idea for a book. So we, we, uh, we decided it was a book, and we also knew that just having like 10 ideas is not enough for a book. So we, uh, we ventured to a place, Tom, I don't know if your audience is familiar with this place. It's called a library. Uh, it's where there are books. I've I've and, heard of and, that. I think they had one in Back <laughs> to the Future, didn't they? they yeah, back in the uh, back in the dark ages, they had these places called libraries. People would go there, books, quiet, study, research. We spent a bunch of time there researching bad ideas, and we went on the internet, of course. And after uh, that journey of thirty-six months, we uh, we came up with what uh, Eric likes to call the creme de la creme of really stinking thinking, and that led to the book. <laughs> You know what's funny about this is is um, I, uh, I used to play music for a living and I traveled around the country in bands and stuff. And we would find ourselves, you know, after a gig or on a day off in a hotel room somewhere, just sharing weird stories, just crazy sure. anecdotal things. And I remember once talking about an ad campaign, and you'll appreciate this because you've written a lot of advertising in your career. Right. Um, Coca-Cola had a slogan that said, Coke adds life. 
And when they shipped it overseas for billboard production, in the translation, it got botched. So they had billboards all over Italy that said, Coke, it brings you back from the dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, if you you go back far enough into the 1800s, Coke used to have cocaine in it. So maybe in a sense it, it brought your mind back from the dead or something. I, I don't know, but, but yes, that is a, that's definitely one of those international faux pas right there. <laughs> oh, and, and, I've, uh, and I've talked to a number of writers who've had their work translated into other languages looking for little gems like that. But what are the kinds of gems we see as the worst ideas in history? Well, as long as we're on the topic of Coke, uh, and I'm then by that I'm Coca-Cola. <laughs> I already know where you're going with this, Mike. It's the, uh, it's the new Coke. In the book, we call it New Coke's product launch goes from fizzy to flat. And the bad idea, and of course the book is filled with uh, all kinds of mankind's uh, astonishing faux pas, foibles, and foul-ups, as we call it. But this bad idea was to change the flavor of the world's most popular soft drink. And the geniuses behind it are the senior execs at the Coca-Cola company back in 1985. So let me set the stage for this one because it's really pretty astonishing. Uh, So we're in the bubbly affluence of post-World War II America, and Coke is the cola that's preferred by 60, 60% of the market. It's huge. Yet by 1983... Pesky rival Pepsi has begun to outsell Coke among coveted youth demographics. And, you know, that is the most important demographic for any product. The Pepsi generation. Uh, The Pepsi generation. And those are the people who are prone to try new things. So that's why advertisers like to uh, target, or another word is victimize them. Uh, So as as Coke's market share sunk, or sinks, I should say, to 24%, down from 60%. They're starting to sweat, right? So Coke CEO Roberto Goizieta uh, orders a rethinking of the company's entire operations. Even Coke's century-old secret formula is reevaluated. So despite a, a generations-long reign as the world's top-selling soft drink, the real thing, uh, it's a bastion of cool headed product stability, now sweating in the heat of competition, and it's ready to change its flavor. Coke researchers fan out across America armed with trial samples of New Coke, a slightly sweeter, more uh, Pepsi-like take on the soda's traditional flavor. And in blind taste tests, uh, Tom, the consumers choose New Coke over both traditional Coke and Pepsi by pretty wide margins. But in focus groups where you get more qualitative uh, rather than quantitative data, Coke and Pepsi, uh, I mean New Coke, I should say, is met with far less enthusiasm. Still... Coke management is thirsty for a winner, and they launched the new taste of Coca-Cola to mark the company's 100-year celebration in 1985. And public reaction, as I said earlier, immediately goes from fizzy to flat, particularly among Coke loyalists. So within days, the company receives over 400,000 distraught calls and angry letters a psychiatrist is brought in to evaluate the tenor of the consumer calls, and he states that they sound like people mourning the loss of a, uh, of a loved one. Even Fidel Castro 
Good old Fidel criticizes the move as another example of American decadence. So with boycotts <laughs> looming, just three months after its historic birth, new Coke is history. Traditionally formulated Coke is now termed Coca-Cola Classic and is reintroduced. So after hundreds of millions of dollars spent testing and marketing new Coke, executives conclude that they had simply underestimated the public's deep and abiding emotional attachment to the original. Well, now, was... the, button, the button at the end of that real quick, Tom, is that conspiracy theorists later contended that this was nothing more than a ploy to boost Coca-Cola, original Coke sales all along. But the CEO, Roberto Gonzalo, later said <clears throat> in a great quote, he said, we are neither smart enough nor stupid enough to come up with that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring up the conspiracy theory because... Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, uh, well, if it had been, it, it worked because Coke sales uh, blasted off once again. But, boy, what a, what a circuitous way to, to make that happen if that was real. But it was so funny branding it Coke Classic, and that was... Um, Actually, I, I knew people who were professionals in the advertising business who really honestly believed that that was about boosting traditional Coke sales. Well, they denied it. Uh, who's to say? All I remember is back uh, in that era, I was merchandising uh, beer, a job I had in college. And I would go into these supermarkets, and I saw, you know, all of a sudden there's this uh, new Coke on these big end cap displays. So I go in the supermarket, and I have to put my, my beer display somewhere nearby. Not more than a two months later, I walk in. It's all gone. <laughs> all of, the, all of the, uh, the new Coke is gone, and in that same end cap is Coca-Cola Classic. They turned that thing around on a dime. They knew that they had made a terrible mistake and just and just did a 180. It was amazing. That's amazing. I I saw an uh, an public television roundtable discussion with former presidential chiefs of staff, ah. and they were reminiscing about their times in the White House, and mm -hmm. the the uh, moderator asked them. How do you go about getting the President of the United States off of a damn fool idea? Oh, yeah. And, and it was so much fun hearing him talk about um, Donald Rumsfeld talked about how he prevented uh, Richard Nixon from following up on an idea to give all 1,100 White House staffers lie detector tests. <laughs> and... And of course, you know, I, 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 I don't think there was anybody really representing him. But, but you couldn't, you couldn't listen to that conversation without thinking of Mike Dukakis sitting with his sleeves rolled up and a helmet on, riding in a tank. Oh, in the tank! Oh, that yeah, famous tank his, photo. His nineteen eighty-eight election campaign was pretty much sunk by that uh, that silly photo. He looked like a little kid. Playing, playing army. He know, really did. He really did yeah. get his tie loosened and his shirt sleeves rolled up like, I'm going to play tank now. <laughs> <laughs> More about the worst ideas in history with author Mike Smith 
straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind, and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about the worst ideas in history with author Mike Smith, straight ahead. Well, I'll tell you, that, that reminds me of another story in the book about a president, and apparently nobody talked about this idea. Uh, if you want to hear about it, I'd be yeah, happy to please. tell you about the, uh, about the skinny-dipping president. And no, it's not Bill Clinton, as some people have, have guessed. It's, um, we call this one in the book, the president's scandalous and bare-ass-ment. <laughs> if you get my not so subtle humor there, got it. Uh, and uh, and Tom, this gives this gives crack of dawn a whole new meaning because each morning, <laughs> President John Quincy Adams, one of our favorites, sneaks down to the Potomac, undresses, and proceeds to skinny dip with the ducks and geese, as we say in the book, all the while naked as a jaybird. So a female reporter named Anne Royal somehow hears about this and hides out in the Potomac's foliage, and catches the uh, <laughs> unsuspecting president in the buff. So she, she takes his clothes and holds them ransom, and so he's standing there with no clothes on, uh, holds them ransom until he agrees to grant her a long-awaited interview he's been putting off. So he, uh, he gets his clothes back, she gets the interview, she doesn't mention his, shall we say, ballsy morning escapades, but uh, soon word gets out, and now Adams, as it always does in Washington, and now Adams is swimming in a pool of, we say, national ridicule and shame. And as a result, the Adams administration's policy agenda stalls, and he's soundly defeated for re-election uh, in 1828 by Andrew Jackson. And in the end, the electorate considered Adams' sagging credibility and, shall we say, saggy backside, and concludes the emperor has no clothes. Oh, God, that's so funny. And I was so convinced that you were going to say JFK. Oh, no, not JFK, although uh, there are other, certainly other stories about him. Not so much skinny dipping. He was just no, the uh, re- pursuing the, the chicks. The reason is Secret Service uh, revelations over the years have um, revealed that Ted Kennedy skinny dipped routinely every morning. Oh, always oh, is in that a, right? Always in a private pool, and I, for a minute, when you, when you said, hey, you know, a president before Bill Clinton, and you started with John, I thought for sure you were going to say JFK, <laughs> like it was a family thing. <laughs> oh no! It, although you know, a little cherry on the top of that cupcake of a story is that uh, apparently, back in those days, it was they were geared to do that uh, because uh, both Benjamin Franklin and later Teddy Roosevelt. We're also said to be fans of skinny dipping, and I'm not sure, uh, Tom, that's a mental image you want any of your listeners to have right now as we listen to the broadcast, but uh, those guys were big. And apparently also um, Franklin was big on air drying himself, which meant that when he would skinny dip, uh, he'd get out of the water and walk around and and air dry, all natural. Yeah, but I bet he wasn't in the buff when he flew that kite. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> that would be that kind of risky. Charge, that electrical charge could have gone anywhere. you got to be careful with that. <laughs> oh, God. That's, so, uh, but but I, this I, kind I, of I, stuff I, is funny. How did you, how did you find a, a hundred or, 
or should I say, how did you limit it to 100? Because I feel like we could do this all day, Mike. Oh, well, we, we had many bad ideas. There was no shortage once we started digging in. Uh, we tried to be non-political about it. You know how stratified and tribal that is today. It, it's, a, it's a humorous book. It doesn't try to make political points. But there were many from the world of politics, but we also covered, my gosh, we have uh, you know, fashion, entertainment, sports. Um, did, you, that have, yeah. did you stay away, Mike, from, from things that resulted in, in actual disasters where people got hurt or killed well, to keep it light and to keep it fun? Mostly. But there are a couple in there that are that are certainly serious. I mean, we have the Titanic, which everybody knows about. But but we came, we found five bad ideas that contributed to the one bad idea of the Titanic sinking. Uh, happy to tell you about that one. But you know, there was also the Hindenburg and, and and that sort of thing. So there were there were bad ideas that did result in loss of life. But for the most part, I'll give you an example if you're if you're open yeah, to this one. Absolutely. Um, Here's a lighter one. Uh, we call this one. It still makes me laugh. How to <laughs> lip, how to lip sync, S I N K, a music career. And this, the bad idea here is to create a pop music group used to play records. So I think you'll appreciate this. Uh, led by two singers who cannot sing. And the genius behind this is Frank Farian, who is this uh, uber successful German music producer. And this is back in nineteen. 88. So this uh, this Therian guy is looking for the next big thing in music, and he's scouring the 1980s Berlin club scene, and he happens upon models, male models, Fabrice Morvan and Rob Pilatus, and they're tearing up the dance floor. And to most onlookers, they're no more than hunky, good-looking guys, hunky, prancing boy toys. But to Therian, they're the ideal front men for a new band, and soon the pop group Millie Vanilli is born. One problem, as I noted earlier, neither Rob nor Fab can sing. So to cover that rather glaring deficiency, uh, Farian secretly hires professional vocalists to record all Millie Vanilli songs and then directs Rob and Fab to lip sync to these recordings whenever performing live. Okay, so Millie Vanilli takes off like a hip-hopping missile, and then, <laughs> as we say in the book, just as quickly, the missile explodes. And in a 1989 MTV Live concert, Rob and Fab are lip-syncing and gyrating to their monster hit, Girl, You Know It's True, when the recording skips, forcing them to repeat <laughs> the same line of the song over and over time. It was, Girl, You Know It, Girl, You Know It, Girl, You Know It. So oh, man. the Millie Vanilli fraud is exposed. Outraged fans demand that the musical imposters be strung up by their dreadlocks. Dozens of lawsuits follow. Arista Records breaks the recording contract. The band's best new artist Grammy Award is returned in shame, and their short-lived careers in disarray. Fab slips into obscurity, and unfortunately Rob dies of a drug overdose in 1998. But in the wake of this Millie Vanilli debacle, Lip syncing has become a pretty hot topic uh, these days among critics and fans with everyone at well, it's, it's, the, it's the norm. At uh, Barack Obama's uh, inauguration, there was a string quartet 
Yes. That played. Remember? Big name people. Yes. Itzhak Perlman on violin, Yo-Yo Ma on cello. I don't remember the other two. And mm-hmm. they were faking it. Oh. To pre-recorded you- tracks they had done. And the explanation they gave later was the reason they did it was because it was very cold that day. And the instruments wouldn't hold a tune. Yeah. So well, they, they I, had a technical know. reason for doing it, but I still felt like, why are you going to have this kind of talent get up there and pretend to play? That well, again, yeah, when you think, Tom, of the cost these days of a concert ticket, wouldn't it be nice if they were actually, I mean, you've already got the recording. You're streaming it or you've got it on yeah. an old CD or whatever. Wouldn't it be nice if they were actually performing it for the, for the $100 ticket or $200 ticket you've got there? Uh, it, it's a little, it's a little presumptuous. It's a little arrogant, I should say, of them to think otherwise. A great old-time radio story from my own personal library, Mike. Was yeah. I worked uh, at a public radio station, and I was um, a board operator. I I hosted mm-hmm. a couple of shows, but but I also worked some shifts where I just played tapes and did you know top of the hour IDs and stuff and change the tapes out when they needed to be changed. And so I've got this big reel, and it's playing a tape, and all of a sudden, in the middle of this piece, it starts skipping. Oh, no. Now, it's not a record where you can give it a little thump, you know, and... (laughs) And, and get it right, you know, hit the needle and let it let it bounce over. Yeah. yeah, and get it back in the in the groove, so to speak. And the phone starts ringing. Oh, and God. the first call I get is from a listener who said, "Hey, your record's skipping." And when I said it's a tape, the laughter was infectious. I, it, it became <laughs> it became the funniest thing ever. And and I talked to the guy who produced the tape a couple days later and told him about it. And he said, you know, I thought that tape ended up long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, years ago, Tom, I worked at a public uh, radio station in in Buffalo, New York. And uh, in the evening, it was classical. It it was, uh, or I should say downstairs was AM news. And then at night it was jazz. And then upstairs was classical FM. And the same thing happened on the FM station because there was no DJ. It was just continuous classical music. And I, I just remember the, the, uh, there, there was hell to pay for the engineer who was not sitting there listening to it at the time that it was playing and was apparently out having a smoke in the parking lot back when people had smokes in parking lots. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it was a very difficult situation. Uh, it gave the 1812 overture a whole new meaning when the bombs were exploding and everything else. <laughs> and there went the guy's job, you know, up in smoke with it. Well, I thought about pulling the thing and, and just going to filler music. And about the time I was ready to take action, the skipping stopped and it went on with the program oh. as planned. So oh, it, good. it ended up playing pretty much as as was. Um, <laughs> but But those are... Those are great little human foibles. It's it's so much funnier when it's played out, you know, on the national and world stage. The way these episodes uh, in in your book and in the audio book, a hundred of the worst ideas in history, 
um, when they play out that way. Um, mm-hmm. You want to share a couple more favorites uh, from sure. the book? A couple we were more just teasers. talking about uh, <laughs> we were just talking about music and radio. We'd love to tell you about uh, under the heading of major league stupidity in the book. This one is called "Disco Inferno Singes the White Sox," and so this oh, has a sports and a radio connotation to it. And Tom, it's July of 1979, and we're at the high point of the platform shoe and and uh, <laughs> polyester leisure suit era known as disco. And uh, as popular as disco was, in fact, I was a club uh, DJ, I'm going to date myself here, uh, back in the disco era, and I, I know that a lot of people liked it and a lot of people hated disco music. And that whole uh, look-at-me disco attitude, especially... Diehard sports fans. So, well, there was there was kind of a, a a hot trend there for a little while for um, almost a resurgence of ballroom dancing. It that's what it was, and it it really had a short life. It was really from seventy seven maybe to eighty one or two was really the the extent of it. But but this story talks about how what maybe hastened its uh, demise because <laughs> because uh, enter Chicago disc jockeys. Doll, and he comes up with something called Disco Demolition Night. And here's how it works: you got to hear this. For just ninety-eight cents plus a vinyl disco record, you get into a Chicago White Sox baseball doubleheader. And between games, Doll collects up the records, piles them up in the outfield, and then uses explosives to blow them to smithereens. Could never (laughs) happen today. So here's the problem, as if that's not a big enough problem. Here's the, you know, upon detonation, a crater forms in the outfield. Vinyl (laughs) shards fly through the air like shrapnel. A fire erupts and fueled by beer and, shall we say, other stimulants. Uh, The the disco-despising crowd, the stadium crowd, is then spilling onto the field. The people come in from the parking lot hopping the turnstiles. Soon a full-scale riot is raging with fans wrecking batting cages, gouging the infield turf, burning banners. Scores of people are injured. Hundreds are arrested. Detroit Tiger manager Sparky Anderson uh, takes one look at the mayhem and refuses to allow his team onto the field for game two of the doubleheader, and that marks the last time an American League team, in this case the White Sox, are forced to forfeit a game. They got an automatic loss out of that. But Steve Dow later unrepentant, uh, said, yeah, I killed Disco, and that, uh, that event did it. <laughs> and, and, I thought it was, and I thought it was the T-shirts <laughs> that said, I hate well, Disco. Well, it could be. <laughs> it could be that, too. There was quite a backlash against it. It, it had come up in the, shall we say, the, the, the gay club scene of, of New York, L.A., San Francisco, Chicago, and there was, I guess, some resentment back and maybe some homophobia, but when it came down to it it was it was repetitive music it was all about ballroom dancing it had a wide berth at first and then kind of narrowed and then eventually died the image of uh, the book that i'm looking at is uh, of the audio book a hundred of the worst ideas in history humanity's thundering brainstorms turned to blundering brain farts by uh, mike smith and eric Cossum. and i'm sorry i mispronounced his name earlier Cassim. Cassim. uh um, and I'm, I'm terrible with names, Mike, so thanks for, <laughs> okay. thanks for that correction. But sure. um, what I was curious about is when the book, when you finished the book, how long it took to do the book, and, and when you finished it, when it dropped, as they say. 
uh, it took us about uh, three years of research to do it. Uh, it took another year or so to write it. We found a publisher in Chicago that was uh, actually a couple that got into a little bit of a bidding war. Uh, not the first time authors make any, any great amount of money, but we got to in advance. Uh, it came out a couple of years back. Um, it took me, uh, you know, I'm one of the rare authors, I guess you could say, who is also uh, adept at uh, audio and video uh, uh, editing and mixing. So I, it was just a natural uh, sidestep over into audio to bring these stories to life through what I knew how to do, which was gather uh, voiceover people. We, we pulled upon some friends of ours up in Hollywood. You know, we're south of L.A. where I am right now to do voices and impressions. We added music and sound effects. Uh, that took probably another year or so. Uh, so just a few months back, we came out with the audio book. The, the original book has done pretty well on, on Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and other outlets. And now on Audible, the audio book is available. And I just think it brings history to life in a way that, that a printed book really can't. So when we have a story about war, you hear the bombs explode or the, oh, nice. the soldiers charging up the hill and you've got music accompaniment. And it's, uh, you know, I read some of the stories, Eric reads some of the stories. It's, it's, it's just a fun way to listen to it. And it opens up the audience time, I think, because now uh, with the audio book, you're in your car, you're exercising, you're traveling. It's just a heck of a lot easier than trying to read a book, <laughs> hopefully not reading a book while you're driving, but it opens up the possibilities to how you can enjoy the content. And one more quick point I wanted to make is for every uh, audio book or printed book we sell, we're donating one to local schools here in California. Oh, fun. Because, yeah, because, you know, Tom, between you and me, uh, history is just not taught uh, all that much or taught properly, in my estimation, in school these days. And as a result, we have a a history-ignorant uh, generation coming up, and you know the old saying, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. Exactly, and, and you just hit on one of my touchstones, because I think history is is so much more interesting when it's presented through stories than yeah. dates and places and, you know, the the way it's, mm-hmm. the way history has historically been taught. And, yeah. and and also, I think um, audio is the best medium for storytelling. I, I think it is, too. It's You know, they used to call it back when I was in school, uh, history was all about dead guys and dates. Yep. Well, we're trying, to, we're trying to get past that uh, and make it relevant. So these stories are written from a very human point of view. Uh, the idea here is to allow the reader not only to be entertained and informed, but rather to hear about uh, the foibles and faux pas and say, well, I, you know, I've made a few mistakes in my life, too. I can relate to this kind of uh, bad idea. Uh, and it just brings history to life and makes it relatable uh, in a way that I think the old dead guys and dates thing just could never do. Well, this is, is so great, and I can't believe that I'm only just now learning about it. And I, I, <laughs> I feel bad about that. At, at first glance, I thought, Wow, what a cool pandemic project. <laughs> yes, yes, it, it was, and it, and it is, because, you know, we, you know, business dropped, you know, my, my advertising business dropped during the pandemic, and, and uh, as everybody's did, so I, I said, what am I going to do with myself? Um, and I had, uh, you know, we had the book, or the printed book already, uh, so I said, well, now is the time. 
no, if I'm not going to do it now, when am I going to do it? Uh, I'm in my 60s at this point, so it's, it's, uh, it's time to take action. So we, we hunkered down and read all of the stories and brought in, as I said, these Hollywood voice actors, and they're doing impressions of Reagan and, and uh, doing impressions of Al Gore and things like that in the book. <laughs> uh, and it's really good. Uh, and then we put the music and sound effects in. So, it's a, again, it's a way to tell a story that's engaging and gets people interested in, in learning and laughing uh, and maybe retaining some of this. So, again, we don't have to repeat it later in life. Well, I, uh, I, I think this is great, and it's long overdue that uh, we actually put a spotlight on hysterical stinking thinking. <laughs> hysterical hysterical. <laughs> that's even better Mike yes. it is so much fun talking with you I feel like we could do this all day um, but uh, thanks for, for sharing a few of those those stories and, and thanks for sharing all of the stories in the book and now the audio book um, and, and thanks for spending this time with me this morning I really appreciate it uh, my pleasure and you know there's, there's 96 others we haven't talked about so if you'd like to <laughs> you'd like to have me back at any point i'd be happy to regale you with some others well we we should do that in fact we should we should uh maybe maybe we could make a segment ah worst ideas in history and just <laughs> and just do a different one each day yeah or, idea or number Fridays. 47 here yeah it is. yeah idea exactly. number 14 here it is oh god that'd be <laughs> that'd fun it'd be, be a lot of fun um, but, uh, Mike, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and about, of course, this project, 100 of the Worst Ideas in History, but all of your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? Yeah, I think the, uh, the one I'd like to refer people to the most uh, updated and fun is 100worstideas.com. So it's the number 100worstideas.com. That's where you're going to find out about me, any other projects we've got going on, reviews of the book, and so forth. Um, also, obviously, you can get the book at uh, Amazon, as is the law, Tom. You must have your book available on Amazon, uh, <laughs> or, or the police come and take you away. Uh, also, at Barnes & Noble, find retailers everywhere. The audiobook, as you mentioned, is audible.com, Amazon, and iTunes. Well, Mike, thanks so much, and, uh, and keep up the good work. Well, thank you, and I uh, hope we talk again, Tom. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Again, Mike Smith and um, his partner, Eric Kassam, and the, the book is 100 of the Worst Ideas in History. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. <laughs> Oh, 
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hopper. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. 
TheTomSumnerProgram.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I got them city blues. Ain't no cure for them city blues.
Thanks, Frank. That was swell. I'm glad you liked it, Harry. You know, you're a darn good-looking fellow. I'll bet you have lots of girls crazy about you. Oh, I don't know. I... Oh, you're just being modest. But tell me, how do you feel when you're in love? How do I feel? My gosh, Harry, it's the most wonderful feeling in the world. Why, when I'm in love, I'm just breezing along with the breeze. I never mind the bumps or the ruts along the highway of life. I float through life on a cloud. And that, folks, is exactly the way you feel in the famous Dodge Air Glide ride. If you haven't experienced this thrill, visit the showroom of your local Dodge dealer. See for yourself the extra value you get in this big, new, money-saving Dodge. Believe me, folks, it certainly is more car for less money. Think of it. The new Dodge Beauty winner of 1936 now sells for only $640 and up. List prices at Factory Detroit. Hey, that is something, Harry. But how about you singing a song now? Don't mind if I do. It's the 
Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Al Hatch with Back to the Bricks, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Stream us live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon at TomSumnerProgram.com, made possible by listeners like you. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. From the Tom Sumner Pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs> 